This is News Talk on the VOCM Bigland FM radio network. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your News Talk host, Linda Swain. Well, good afternoon, everyone. And um, Claudette, what are you after doing? (laughs) I'm blaming you because it's all behind you. If you turn around. Oh, yes. When Jolene said the word ominous, I had to look back, too. Yeah, I know. Uh, It was a a beautiful day today. It was was starting to develop into a beautiful day. I Uh even went out on the lawn there for a few minutes. I was sorely tempted not to come back into the building Uh uh, because it's uh, the first little taste, I guess, of of summer what really could be coming yeah. <laughs> and then we're getting another taste of what could be coming this huge black cloud and you've already received calls about this yeah so not only the huge black clouds but also the thunder and the videos of um, hail coming down in CBS uh, within the past half hour that is definitely a thunder type cloud you can see it's you know like a tower going yeah, right up so strange uh, so I expect uh, you know unless hit? it dissipates that we are going to be getting a taste of the same now shortly and if you're stuck in an office somewhere we'll be keeping you up to date on that Uh, so uh, screw up the windows on your car (laughs) you know just before I saw that video I was about to text my husband and tell him to please put out the patio furniture (laughs) jinx okay (laughs) see I I, I said it was was my fault it is your fault well um, we're uh, talking about uh, the relatively nice weather here today but the heavy rains are continuing to affect parts of the great northern Peninsula flooding basements and affecting the movement of traffic as runoff inundates a number of roads in the region. Yesterday, the main road in and out of Anglee was closed to traffic, and today, the road through neighboring Roddickton Bydarm is closed due to floodwaters. Here's Mayor Ken Reed. It's hard to tell right now. The, the, the shoulders of the road is washed away, and the pavement in the center of the road, you can see bits of it rolling out into the ocean. Uh, with, I was asking the the guys there and they said well they don't really know because there's too much water on it to see what's in under but the last time a truck went over it it started to, to wobble so that's kind of a, a scary situation and of course uh, Roddickton by Arm is the I guess the commercial business uh, service uh, region for surrounding communities including Englee well Englee Mayor Stephanie Fillier joins me now with an update on how the heavy rain is affecting her community well, hello, Stephanie Fillier. Hello again. How are things there today? You may, you may hear a kitten meowing in the background. Oh. Of my daughter's cat. She wants to go outdoors. That's okay. My cat meows all the time, too. <laughs> um, what is, uh, so what's the situation there today? We're doing good in England today. Our water's receded, so thank goodness our road held up, and we seem to be through the worst of it. But um, our main road's going out of England towards Bidarm and Radisson and seen some major flooding last night. So we're hoping that after today it's going to come back down. Right now it's treacherous to go towards Roddickson by Arm area. Is that right? So what's the situation down that way? Um, well, uh, between Ingley and Bide Arm, there is a brook that has come up over the road, uh, running across the pavement. So the water's pretty deep there. So I was talking to a lady earlier. She figures that a normal car would probably stall going through it. So you've got to be really careful there. And the main uh, main brook, it, the main brook off the bridge in Radican is completely overrun with water. The water is up, and it looks like it might be flooding the houses next to it. So how are people getting back and forth then? Uh, right now, as far as I know, uh, in Roddington, they're not. They've got the brook completely closed. I'm not sure if they're letting emergency vehicles through or not. So as of right now, uh, we're not. I'm not. I'm not heading in there for no reason today. But uh, 
I'd say it's going to be late this evening for the water to seed down in there. So how does that affect the community then? Uh, do people go to Roddickton by Darm for, you know... Well, our, our hospital is in there, and, I mean, we have a... Well, we have a grocery store here in Inglee, but there's another grocery store in there. Plus, we have people from here that work in the Roddickton grocery store, which is on the other side of the... And in the pharmacy, and, I mean, everything is in there, right? So, now... Just between here and the hospital, we're on this side of the bridge. But, I mean, if there was happened to be a medical emergency with their bridge flooded, hopefully the ambulances can get through. I haven't been talking to the mayor in Radisson yet this morning. I was going to try to give him a call later and see how it's going. But uh, hopefully they can uh, keep it clear enough for emergency traffic. But for sure. That must be a concern then to get ambulances through or whether or not there's going to be helicopter service available for anybody who might encounter some problems. Well, definitely, because, I mean, uh, well, they, I did see some pictures that the town posted this morning, and it looks pretty pretty nasty. I mean, the brook is normally, I came through yesterday, and the brook looked normal. And normal is when you're crossing the brook, you can look down on the river. But today, I mean, it's right up over, running across the pavement and, and into the neighboring property. So it really went up overnight. Yourself and your family just came back from New York City, and I understand that uh, uh, since you left, uh, things have been shut down there because of all the smoke in Quebec. Did you did you notice anything when you were there? We did the last day, the last evening, and the day we were there Monday and Tuesday. We did notice like smog, but we just thought city. We weren't used to New York, so you know. But uh, now that we got home and realized that there's so many fires on the go, I guess I guess it is what we noticed when we were down there. You could tell it was. Uh, very overcast, what we would call it in Newfoundland, but I don't know what they'd call it down there. We just call it smog. <laughs> so did, could you tell it was it was wood smoke, though? Uh, no, we couldn't. Like, well, we we didn't. It didn't really dawn on us. Basically, we were oblivious to it. But um, but when we left Tuesday, driving to the airport Tuesday dinner time, we could tell that it was more or less uh, fog. We would call it here, you know, like gray and dungy and. Uh, but I do hear that after we got back to Canada, that uh, yesterday afternoon it was pretty pretty thick down there, and they were finding the air quality really bad. So now we did have an air quality warning on Monday, I believe it was down there. But we never even we were on vacation, we never even bothered to pay attention to it. We just went on about our own daily stuff. Were you surprised to hear that the the smoke from Quebec had had reached down as far as New York? I was, I was, and I sure hoped. I wish this rain that we're having in England was going to Quebec right now. It would make it a lot better for those people. But, uh, yeah, I was really surprised. But I guess the way the wind was blowing, it brought the air down there or the wind down there. Well, Stephanie Fillier, I really appreciate your time. Thanks. You have a good day. Thank you very much. So, uh, Stephanie Fillier there uh, with a little update on uh, the rain situation on the Great Northern Peninsula, how it's affecting not just her community, but Roddickton by Arms uh, looks like it's getting the brunt of it there now. And uh, the rain's not expected to stop there until sometime overnight tonight uh, with 130 millimeters all told once it's uh, it starts to dissipate a bit. So uh, it is having an impact on infrastructure in the area. And we're going to try and get an update from the Minister of Transportation and Infrastructure uh, during the show to um, to find out what the situation is there. And uh, Claudette, she also mentioned the smoke in um, New York. She just came back from New York City and uh, not realizing, never been to New York City, thinking, wow, that's a lot of smog. But no, it was smoke. Yeah, how interesting it would be as a Canadian going to New York and then realizing that the wildfires, kind of the smoke following you there. But uh, I, I saw some one comment online too. I, I never thought to think about the smelling aspect of it. Somebody said it smelled like uh, burnt tires 
to some people. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it, it can be very acrid, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're not used to it, and I mean, we've seen smoke here from wildfires in other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Remember when we had that haze that was caused was by the volcano in, in Iceland? I forgot all about that. But yeah. Yeah. And, you know, how easy do we forget until, of course, it happens again. And um, the, the masks that people got to wear now in New York... Yeah, that's amazing. I I'd hate to have to go back to that. <laughs> it's an N95 masks, in in fact. Only so. it's opposite, right? It's you're wearing it outside now instead ah, of inside. Right. Right. Yep. And so it's hotter. It's even worse, and, really. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's the situation. But uh, the take, um, I don't know, comfort, if you will, from the mayor of Shibugamo, Quebec. She's urging residents forced from their homes by the one, by one of the 150 forest fires burning in Quebec right now to be zen like her. <laughs> I'll leave that there. Yeah, please. Uh, when we come back, we'll get an update on a kidnapping and extortion trial now underway in St. John's. This is News Talk on VOCM. Weekday mornings from 530 to 9. Jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. Newsmakers, traffic, weather, and more during your VOCM morning show. So I just got a little uh, text from one of, one of our co-workers. Yeah, I've noticed now people are starting to, to tell us what it's like in their various areas. So I think it was uh, Thunder in Mount Pearl, hail in Holyrood, lightning from Belle Island to Portugal Cove. Like It's just all over the place. And uh, we received a call, uh, Jolene received a call just before we came on the air here um, saying that there's uh, thunder but no lightning or rain in Briggs Junction. Everybody's experiencing something slightly different. <laughs> well, Welcome you can guarantee <laughs> uh, for listeners who are in the St. John's metro region right yeah. now, we're going to get something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's we're coming. bracing ourselves right now. Um, anyway, a kidnapping and extortion trial involving career criminal Philip Pinn has gone sideways, bogged down in issues other than the alleged crime. Well, VOCM's Brian Callahan was in the court this morning for the case, and he joins me now. Hello, Brian. Hello, Brian. Hi. Hey. So well, tell us a little bit of what, what's happening here. What's what's the case, first of all, and why has it gone sideways? Well, you know, in all the court cases that are going on, obviously there are ones that, uh, you know, grab our attention, affect more people than others. But um, this one, of course, for its uniqueness, is not every day we have an extortion and kidnapping trial in the Newfoundland court. And, of course, when it involves Phil Pinn, who is just, you know, renowned by his name alone, uh, because of his lengthy criminal history, he's been in the media so much, and fairly or unfairly, um, you know, he is recognizable by his name and his appearance. So he's part of this, and when you put them all together and there's four people involved, it, you know, you have to cover it, and we have to, you've got to pick your spots, as you know, because there's so much going on in court. So this week, that trial was supposed to start. So this involves back in December of 2021. Uh, it was a Monday night, it was around 10.30 or something, the police pulled over a car uh, near Old Broad Cove Road out in Port School Cove, St. Phillips, and inside were five people. Uh, four people were eventually charged with extortion and kidnapping, and a fifth person was the person who was kidnapped. And that person can't be named or anything yet, it hasn't really come out into the, ca- into the trial yet, so I'm not going to go there. But um, this person wasn't harmed, but had allegedly been abducted about an hour earlier, and was allegedly being held, um, you know, as a ransom, basically, until his mother coughed up money. So that was the alleged plan. Philip Pym was one of the four. There were two other men, brothers, Joe and Jeff Aylward. 
And there was a woman involved as well. The charges against her have since been dropped. So I won't even go there. So now there's three of them. Uh, the brothers have separate lawyers, and so does Phil Tin. Uh, Phil Tin's had Mark Rushy for a long time now uh, for all of his matters. Uh, there's another one, of course, that we all know of just recently where Mr. Pin is alleged to have brought in about $30,000 worth of drugs through a quote-unquote body cavity into HMP. So Mr. Grushy is representing Phil Pin on that and other, you know, the past um, um, uh, cases that have been before the, his matters before the courts. So that was supposed to start. The trial was supposed to start on Tuesday. Uh, they get 45 minutes in, and the first problem crops up where they discover that only nine minutes of the first 45 minutes of the trial were actually recorded. And that's important. Transcripts, uh, the evidence, you know, notes are great, but as the judge said, they don't count. So um, that that was the first problem that cropped up. And then by the end of the day, the Crown served notice that they were going to um, uh, push for a mistrial because one of the defense lawyers for one of the Aylworths, Tony St. George, who I know well, good lawyer, been at the bar for many years, but it's alleged that he... Uh, well, it's not alleged. I mean, he did represent a person who will eventually be a witness in this trial. So that's why the story goes, uh, and our story today, Linda, says, you know, they're dealing with everything but the alleged crimes because the technicalities and the applications that go before, there's three different defendants, three different defense lawyers to crown. There's a serious allegation. So it's a tangly, complex case, and it's one that the courts are doing the best to get, you know, through the, through, uh, the system. But, you know, uh, it's scheduling is the other thing. When you have that many parties, you need the courtroom, you need the judge, you need the crown, and you need all of the defense counsel to all have dates open, free. So that was half of the day this morning, just trying to line up schedules to get the dates. And yet they still have to have an application, a hearing now on Mr. St. George as to whether or not he's in a conflict of interest. So there are the machinations. I don't know if we put anyone to sleep, but it's worth knowing. People are always curious about how the court system works and why things take so long. There you go. So how will these matters uh, affect uh, timelines of this particular case? Well, uh, right now, uh, the, the application now, so this is all put off. The trial should have been going. It was set down for five days this week, and they get through half a morning, not even half a morning, they get through 45 minutes, and it's off the rails. Uh, so the next step will be August. That's the application uh, the Crown is going to put forth, that Mr. St. George is in a conflict of interest, and they want a mistrial and a new trial. So that's more delays, but, you know, they just feel it's not, you know, fair that one of a person that he represented is actually a crown witness. So that's uh, you can see their concern whether or not it's enough to derail the trial. That'll be up to Judge James Walsh. And then uh, the trial itself, they've had to push back the dates to like sporadic days in in September, October, November. So I'm not going to go there because that's going to change. I know it will. Uh, Right now, these are a lot of tentative dates. They talk today about uh, vacation time that they're all going on and when they're getting back and joking about how one of them will actually be passing the other one in the Toronto terminal, you know. So uh, life goes on in the courtroom as well, right, beside the thing. So they have to line up their personal schedules as well as their professional. So what does this mean for the accused now? Are they being held in custody in the meantime? What are their circumstances? Great question. So um, at first, they were all in custody. Uh, The Aylwards were released um, eventually on sureties, and they've, by all intents and purposes, been uh, attending court regularly and abiding by their conditions. Mr. Pinn, however, as we know, just recently, as I mentioned, He's now charged with those drug charges of trying to smuggle into the pen. Plus, he has other breaches and other cases, you know, that go back further, that compound themselves, that do not make him a good candidate for release. 
and we know that the strict bail conditions, you know, how the federal government is reviewing that. So um, he is the only one of the three in custody, uh, and he's been appearing. He appeared today. And so, you know, it's acknowledged that so far these issues are not going to go to the, if some people might be familiar with the Jordan delay uh, issues. It doesn't appear that it's going to be an issue yet. These are, you know, uh, on, uh, what, what can we say, um, beyond anyone's control, really, a lot of this. It's cropped up at the last second. There could have been maybe more diligence when they looked at the witnesses, but, you know, some of this didn't happen until this week. And then technical issues, what do you do about that? We've all had to deal with that stuff. So, uh, you know, the delays are what they are. It's not too bad. The events of the relationship have occurred December of 2021, so it's been about a year and a half. Um, you know, that's that's about standard, for, especially for a trial this complex. The court recognizes that, too. We're not talking one defendant, one incident. We're talking multiple defendants and, and one incident, but a, a pretty, um, you know, salacious one at that. So what is your level of access, if you will, to the accused? For anybody who doesn't understand, I mean, we often see the perp walks and, and sometimes we get pictures before the, the judge comes in uh, of the accused, that kind of thing. Um, was there any kind of a response or reaction from any of the accused? No, you know, the guys, uh, the Elwer brothers, uh, they're almost like twins. Uh, they, it's hard to tell them apart, really, but they came in separately about 10 minutes before court started because they're not in custody and sat quietly in the front and waited for proceedings to start. And um, then about two minutes before, uh, two very young and serious-looking sheriff's officers, and rightly so, uh, brought in Mr. Pinn. And, you know, he's uh, you know, a bit of a higher risk. I mean, a long-term offender. And, well, I shouldn't say long-term offender. He's not been declared that. But... Over the time, over the course, he has a, a lengthy, lengthy criminal history. Um, you know, sometimes we talk about, uh, some media reports will talk about him as a killer. This was the manslaughter uh, charge or conviction that he, I won't say accidentally, manslaughter is when you, you cause someone's death, but you didn't mean to kill them. But, uh, of course, he had a shotgun, and the shotgun went off and killed his friend Nick Windsor uh, in Portugal, on Portugal Cove Road back several years ago, and he was convicted of manslaughter. So that's what most people remember with Mr. Penn because that was high profile and the whole circumstances around it. So uh, he's under pretty tight security, and so he's the only one of the three. So, I mean, you know, he walks right by us, and we take our pictures. You, you try not to overdo it. You know, there's not enough pictures out there of Philly Penn, you know. So uh, I, I try to limit how many times I have to put my camera or my, my phone in his, face, in his face, but, you know, lining him up and he'll stare. And, you know, you can only imagine probably what's going through his mind about, I wish the boys would just give it up maybe or something. But I think he does. he's been before the courts enough to know that we have a job to do as well, right? Well, that's it. Uh, and, uh, you know, you find sometimes that uh, people who are used to the process are used to the process. That's true. And, I mean, you know, it's not like he, he doesn't understand why he's in court. I mean, this is serious offenses, serious allegations. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, it's justified, the media coverage. I think everyone would agree on that. So when do we expect an update on this? Uh, the next date, really, unless something drastic changes, uh, August the 9th, early August, and that's when they're going to argue that conflict of interest application. Brian Callahan, I really appreciate this. Thanks so much. Anytime, Linda. Thank you. So that's uh, VOCM's Brian Callahan uh, with his update from the courts on uh, the matter, um, a, a kidnapping and extortion trial that was supposed to have uh, gotten underway today, but has been bogged down in a number of issues, as he's just indicated, other or outside of the alleged crime. Well, coming up, uh, we will get an update from the Minister of Transportation and Infrastructure about the flooding situation on the 
Northern Peninsula. We're also going to try and get his reaction to concerns raised on this show uh, yesterday from NATE President Jerry Earle on the number of water bomber pilots available in Newfoundland and Labrador. This is News Talk on VOCM. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM. And we're back, uh, Kemout Road right now, uh, in darkness <laughs> due to that uh, a big, ominous cloud that's uh, heading our way. Well, off the top of today's show, we got an update on the heavy rains on the northern peninsula and the impact on infrastructure in the area of Roddickton, Bidarm, and Anglee. Minister of Transportation and Infrastructure, Elvis Lovelace, joins me now. Minister Lovelace, thanks for joining the show. You're kindly welcome. Thank you. So what is the situation currently on the Northern Peninsula? I imagine it's something that the department is keeping a close eye on. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, they've experienced a lot of rain there, and there's some challenges with the roadways, uh, potential of washouts. Uh, the latest I have is that they're monitoring it very closely, and our department is, is on that in terms of the infrastructure piece. And Fire and Emergency Services is also there for helicopter services, whatever needs to, to happen. So there's a real planning place. Uh, our departments are monitoring it very closely with locals out there, and uh, and we're keeping everybody apprised to what's going on, and uh, you know, the MHA as well, uh, her staff uh, is very close to this as well, and we're making sure that they're they're aware, aware of what's happening, but uh, very, very close eyes on, on what's going on out there. Now, we were speaking with uh, the president of NAEP yesterday who says, you know, accolades is great uh, and much appreciated, but um, uh, water bomber crews are feeling the pressure right now um, down to seven, just seven pilots operating uh, four uh, aircraft that uh, ostensibly serve not just Newfoundland and Labrador, but Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Quebec, Ontario, as far as Manitoba. Um, what uh, What is the situation with our staffing levels um, when it comes to water bomber crews because they are specialized and uh, uh, Nate President Jerry Earl says they're, uh, they're feeling the strain. These are the lowest uh, staffing levels they've ever seen. Yeah, no, and 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 fair enough. But if I can address, uh, you know, Mr. Earl's um, interview with with uh, the OCM yesterday, because he had approached us uh, a few days ago about a meeting to discuss this, and certainly open to it to discuss it. And then, uh, unfortunately, there's a there's a um, uh, an interview with the OCM with Mr. Earl and to discuss this. So I would hope that he would have we could have had our meeting, and then the interview could have happened because we could have shared the information the concern because both of us had the same concern so when I saw the story yesterday I was disappointed in that he decided to go that route uh, but he did and he can answer to to the reason why he did that because uh, you you ask for a meeting and then before the meeting happens you go to a media outlet to talk about what we were very concerned about and to talk about in a meeting so that was unfortunate but that's it. That is what it is. Um, we're, we're going to certainly meet and discuss this uh, uh, very important topic. And, and Linda, the, the, the challenge around uh, recruitment, uh, you know, we don't sit back and, and, and not recruit. We're constantly recruiting. Now, people will leave the profession to go elsewhere. We don't have any control over that. Um, but right now, I mean, we have four assets uh, in the water bombers, uh, very valuable assets that are uh, staffed by eight 
pilots and co-pilots. So we, uh, and I've said in the house, and I say now we're 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 ready to go right now. Um, you know, with with four because we had four operating in. Uh, Nova Scotia fires. So those were four units that were operated by four fully staffed uh, units. So um, that was ongoing. And you mentioned in terms of us helping other provinces, that's a Canadian interagency force uh, fires uh, center agreement. And uh, and that's important because we provide to other provinces and other provinces provide to us when in need. That's important. Um, well, back to the employees. Uh, we are uh, we're now working on a, a, a ninth uh, um, pilot uh, that we can hopefully add to our um, a complement of staff, and and always working on others. And so this is the the meeting that we will have with with Nate because we hear the concerns. Uh, but you know, and and uh, we. And, and I want to say as well that we appreciate what what they do because I visited the the, the hangar out in Gander and and to to look at the craft as I was like a little boy on, on Christmas morning looking at a toy. It's just uh, and, and these are specialty uh, work that they do and it's it's phenomenal. Um, you know what, what the aircraft they operate and stuff like that. But from the, from the employees' concerns, you know the the air services collective agreement. Uh, you know that, that's not been accepted yet, and you know the negotiations are led by. Treasury Board Minister Cody, and we we got to respect that process. So that is ongoing as well. But we we hear it. Uh, we've been constantly on this in trying uh, from the recruitment process. But uh, right now uh, we do have uh, the four units that are fully complemented by staff. You said that recruitment is something you're always looking at, but uh, I mean, we've seen Canada this year. It's just unbelievable what's happening now in Ontario and Quebec and, and the smoke from that, you know, affecting people down south and everything. But, uh, right. um, you know, it, is there a need for more? Well, there, there's always need for more. I, I don't think it's different than any other profession. Um, ideally, I would love to have uh, double or triple the amount of staff that we have uh, ready to go. But uh, and that's that's been the that's been the challenge. So my challenge and my question as minister responsible for is, in terms of the recruitment process, what do we need to add to the process to even entice or attract more pilots to come to the province to operate here. Um, that's 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 the challenge. That will be part of the conversation the, what we have with NAEP as well. And uh, because these these are well, like any of our employees, they are beyond valued. Um, so that's that's part of the challenge. That's part of what we're 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 trying to do here. And uh, look forward to the meeting with NAEP and uh, hopefully in a year's time, I may be saying to you, uh, Linda, if I'm here, that uh, we've been very successful in recruitment and that we do have more other than the f- you know uh, the four of the units that we have. We have more that can that can wait on a waiting list. That if if you and I were pilots today, we're not ready. Hey, we can go to Plan B because we have more. So that's that's the challenge. We're up for the challenge, and uh, I look forward to to better results. Water bomber pilots, I don't need to tell you, are a special breed. They're highly specialized, uh, have a highly specialized set of skills. Uh, yep. In high demand, no doubt, especially nowadays. Uh, are, are, are salaries and compensation packages uh, comparable to other uh, regions? Uh, because NAEP had mentioned that Quebec is, is paying its uh, staff much higher. 
Yeah, and 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 very good point. And and as I alluded to just a little bit before you asked that question, is that 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 in lies the challenge, and that's that's the piece that I will take to the table. I want to see a fulsome uh, look at, and we have chatted about it. Salaries, no difference if we're talking about pilots or we're talking about doctors, nurse, nurse practitioners, or any specialty. That therein lies the challenge. Um, for me, at this point, it's what do we do? Obviously, we need to do something other than what we've been doing in the past year in terms of the recruitment piece. And obviously, that's that's around salaries. And uh, we're going to take a, a good look at it uh, for sure. And um, you know, and and like other provinces, yeah, what what Quebec is is doing, it's you know, it, it, Quebec's capacity or capability to do something is not what Newfoundland and Labrador can do, but recognizing that these positions are very important because we saw what happened last year in terms of forest fires. We know it's going to happen again because of the, the world that we're living in today. So, um, you know, it, it's it's something that we're not going to just um, laxy-daisy, if the words I can use in terms of talking about this conversation. This is something that I'm very interested in having a having a conversation on, not just to talk about it, but to actually do something about it. Elvis Loveless, I do appreciate your time. Thank you. Always a pleasure, and you take care. And Elvis Loveless, of course, is the Minister of Transportation and Infrastructure. And Claudette, I see that you've been talking to Leonard in Kelligrews. <laughs> What's Leonard saying? Yeah, so Leonard uh, went for a little draw. He's in Kelligrews, but on his short stint, he said that the rain was just, it was pouring down. Uh, it was thunder and lightning. And he said some of the dirt roads on the side of the main highway, they were completely drenched. He said the water is starting to subside now, but when he was out just minutes ago, he had to use his wipers on max so yeah so i wasn't expecting that actually you know because we don't we have a limited view here in the studio and i look out and i don't see that but some people are dealing with a lot of rain a lot of rain and like i said uh, carla texted me and she said it right. is teeming in Kelligrew. so uh anyway be careful out there on the roads no doubt when the rain is coming down that fast uh it uh, drains off the roads you know not as quickly as you hope it would mm-hmm. and uh you can get some pooling and that sort of thing so keep your speeds down and if your um, wipers are on max well that's always uh, a problem when it comes to uh, um visually seeing where you are exactly yeah no and of course it's going to slow down traffic for sure in the area absolutely well speaking of traffic i don't know if you saw the video or not uh but there appears to be bears on the avalon i my hair stood up on my arms I almost got weak because (laughs) that was one of the things I I was thinking you know you're out in the forest or you're out for a walk and you don't really have to worry about bears until you saw that video yeah you do but they're not Anyway, okay, we're going to find out more. Oh, you're going to find out yes, more. Yes, oh, we're going to find out more. So the question has always been, are there bears on the uh-huh. Avalon? Well, you bet there are. They are. Uh, so we'll speak with senior wildlife biologist Wayne Burney when we come back after the break. This is News Talk on VOCN. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM work. And before the break, we were talking about that video. Have you seen the video? I have seen the video a few times. So for anybody who hasn't seen it, it's um, somebody who's pulled over on the side of the divided highway Uh on the Avalon Peninsula. And uh, you can see the traffic coming and going. And then there's a lull in the traffic. And whoa, what's that? Uh, And up comes this bear and 
He looks both ways. And then he darts across the highway. And then he darts across the road. And you can see where it is because then there's, in the background, there's a a sign that says the Holyrood exit is coming up, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we've we've had reports of a bear lingering in and around Mm -hmm. Holyrood. So there you have it. Proof positive. I mean, we have had sightings. I know there were some sightings down around Renews, was it, um, a few years ago? And in and around the um, La Manche area. Uh, in the past, Cap Hayden down mm-hmm. that way uh, on the uh, southern Avalon. Um, and uh, I can remember years ago uh, going for a stroll in on Fox Farm Road in behind Carboneer. And it had been a day like today where it had been a little bit of rain and then it had cleared off a bit. So the ground was a little bit, you know, soft and that sort of thing. I was walking along and I saw this track. <laughs> oh, God. And I remember looking down going, <laughs> well, that's not a dog. <laughs> That is definitely not a dog track. It was a little bit wide. Oh, that And you could scary. see the, the claw marks, you know. That must have been frightening just to and see And I that. was like, okay, all right. Time to turn around. You weren't that curious. Didn't right? have to tell me twice. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we, we do have bears among us. So, uh, we, and we all know that, uh, you know, outside of the Avalon Peninsula, well, they're commonplace through central Newfoundland, yes. west coast, and that sort of thing, and, and through Labrador, of course. But uh, the Avalon, we've always had this kind of... La, 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 la. Exactly. Almost like a false sense of security. Having said that, I still need to brush up on what type of bears, what you have to do when you come across the different types of bears as well. Well, I'm going to ask Wayne Barney that, that now. Wayne Barney is the province's senior wildlife biologist. Well, hello, Wayne Barney. Good day, Linda. So, I mean, I grew up on listening to people on the Avalon Peninsula say there's no bears in, on the Avalon, uh, but we are increasingly seeing more and more evidence of bears on the Avalon. Are there black bears on the Avalon Peninsula, and how long have they been around? Well, black bears are, well, for sure, there are black bears on the Avalon. They just have relatively low densities uh, compared to other portions of the island that we would uh, we would experience. How long they've been there or if you've been vacant, uh, that's up for debate. So what's the rule of thumb now if somebody sees or encounters a bear? Well, the rule of thumb with uh, black bears, uh, <laughs> there's really two rules of thumb. One that's the biggest one is uh, don't do don't allow yourself to be in a position where you're going to attract the bear in the first place. That's the, that's the largest rule of thumb. And in that regards, like don't feed them. Don't leave uh, food that they can access. Like your garbage in itself is a very good uh, high nutritional source for black bears. Uh, keep that away from or, uh, or, or restrict access to any of that kind of stuff. Uh, keep pet food. Anything that a bear can, have, can get access to uh, away. Uh, avoidance is, is the is the biggest rule of thumb, and if you do if you do get approached by a black bear, and if you're in that situation, our best advice is to stay calm, give the bear space, and an escape route for it to go to get out. Uh, you can speak calmly and firmly and to it, and uh, back away slowly. Don't run or climb a tree or that sort of thing. And uh, and obviously, you uh, exercise a little bit more caution around females with cubs, as they have the tendency to be a little bit more protective. You said something uh, key there. You said don't run or climb a tree. Uh, these animals, despite the fact that they look, you know, kind of cute and lumbering and that sort of thing, are actually quite fast. Well, they are quite good climbers, uh, so that's not really an escape route for you. And you don't have a, you don't have yourself, don't, uh, it's not an escape route if you climb a tree and the bear decides to climb up with you. 
Uh, and they are they are quite capable of running at uh, very high speeds, and certainly can outrun you. Are they more afraid of you than you are of them? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Blackbirds, for the most part, are they. They have a in a natural environment. They have a tendency to avoid you at all costs. Uh, you know, you're in the area. They generally can. They generally will to uh, take a route away from you. Bears have become a little bit more habituated to people, and those are the bears that get fed. And you see those in the parks environment a lot, or even if they're nuisance in communities, going around visiting garbage cans. Uh, when any animal that loses its fear to uh, humans can be a little bit more dangerous than an animal that's behaving in a more natural environment. Are there signs that a, a bear might be in the vicinity, things to look for, watch for if you happen to be hiking? Well, absolutely. Like uh, You'll often see bear scat uh, if you're uh, in an area that's frequented by bears. Uh, you'll also, like any animal, it's going to leave tracks behind or might, you might see some climax of this sort of nature or ground disturbed, that's disturbed by bears. And those are the telltale signs to kind of look for. We tend to think of uh, black bears sort of as the, the, the lesser type of bear, but um, I don't know how true it is. Maybe you can tell me. Um, I'm after hearing that uh, black bears in Newfoundland in particular are, are bigger than black bears in some other areas. Uh, typically, our populations here, during an island population, probably evolved at, uh, in a manner that uh, allowed for black bears in general to, to take on a, a little larger size. Uh, but the animal... Do you get many calls about uh, bears uh, on the Avalon in particular? Um, our Paddy Spawn office from our, in our district office handled, would handle those calls. And to date, I think they have received uh, one bear complaint from the Avalon Peninsula so far this year. Is that the one we're hearing about in, in around Holyrood? I would suspect it is. It's, it wouldn't be uncommon that they're inconceivable that we'll receive multiple complaints for the same bear. So if you encounter it, uh, stay calm, back away, give it its back distance. On. Absolutely. And then if you have to, like I say, speak uh, calmly to it and firmly and, uh, and avoid eye contact. Animals don't like that. And back away. Never, as I said, never run that uh, until you spoke to refer to as a fleet response in the bear itself. And uh, if you got anything to drop, drop it off so that it kind of uh, distract his attentions, that sort of thing. Right, because he'll stop to sniff that and then you're gone. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, Wayne, I really do appreciate this. Any uh, idea what the bear population might be on the Avalon? How do you keep track? Uh, it's very, very difficult to keep track on the specific numbers of bears that are on the Avalon. Uh, we do record the number of incidents that uh, occur in a region to give it a real of idea if there's more or less or, or kind of the same number of bears, right? But uh, to get a population estimate, it would be very, very difficult and time-consuming for any, any regions of the province. But not as, uh, not as densely populated as, as the remainder of the island. It appears not to be, no. Uh, black bear sightings on the Avalon were relatively infrequent. They seem to be increasing slightly, but certainly not at the uh, not at the levels that we see in other parts of the province. Wayne Barty, really do appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thank you. So there you go, uh, Claudette. Uh, don't run. And whatever you do, don't climb a tree because they're coming up after you. And this is what I don't understand. They need to give audio examples. How do you talk calmly to a bear? Hello, bear. <laughs> like, 
how are you <laughs> don't <laughs> eat me please <laughs> like i i get confused by that you know like how you're supposed to speak to them well like, i've been in situations with people much braver than myself <laughs> uh when it comes to other animals like moose around you right. know getting a little too close when yeah. i was in gander and around Cobb's pond it was not unusual for moose to get real close and i can remember um myself and an older woman she was visiting from the uk would you believe and she was stopped on on the boardwalk and i came up behind her and then i was next to her and i said uh she looked was looking at something i said what's on the go she said there's a baby moose right there i said it's baby moose and she said yes and i grabbed her by the arm i said that means the mother's nearby and when i turned here was the mother coming with the ears down and she was charging so i grabbed a hold of this poor older woman and went <laughs> yanked her <laughs> and we went life. running uh, but there was a gentleman there and he was like go on as calm as could be just like go moose uh-huh go away from us fair okay we don't want anything to do with you you go and on it worked and it worked she went on and the baby went on luckily hard to know what you do in a situation but you well i know what you would do you would just grab somebody out of the way and run grab an elderly woman from the uk and go well, you only have to outrun her i mean <laughs> as they say. I don't think moose are too interested in how you taste or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, that was the closest I've come to being charged. But well, we were charged that by a moose. That is scary. And she was closer to me than you are to me really? right now. Really? Oh yeah, she was coming. Uh, so that's why I grabbed this woman because she was like, moose? What? <laughs> what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so and she I was, was kind of, yeah, not, yeah, not so used to it. Not used to that sort of uh, scenario at all. And as soon as I saw the calf, I knew. Oh, yeah. 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 She probably, she, can you imagine? She, oh, how cute. A yeah, moose. little baby moose. But your reaction was the opposite. Yeah. Mom's not far. No. Yeah. Um, wanted to quickly mention something before you go, and yeah. that has to do with power being out in uh, Holyrood right now. Ah, could it have something to do with the weather? Yeah, it could, because I noticed that somebody on, um, his name is Gary, he's a resident in CBS, and he mentioned that there was a lightning strike, and then his Keurig pot went out. So it was almost <laughs> like lightning so, struck. No power, no, no coffee. Power, no power, yeah. What am I doing now? Right. Might as well go for a walk in the woods, <laughs> see what's on the go. The bears. <laughs> All right, so the power's out in Holyrood, according to Newfoundland Power, and uh, we're keeping an eye on that. Um, and you can expect that, uh, look at that, uh, Claudette, turn around and look out the window. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's huge, and it's dark. It's really black. It's <laughs> ominous, as Jolene would say. Uh, I'm sorry for anyone who's not encountering this right now, but it's... Uh, it's really dark and, and thick. It's spooky, and uh, it's suddenly turned into nighttime out there. So that's just great. Um, uh, safe driving, everyone. <laughs> I think I'm going to hunker down here for a little while. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Do join us then. And, uh, you know, stay safe.